Today is the day of triumphal entry. Today is the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem as was declared. It was the 10th of Nisan, the 10th day of the month of Nisan, that according to the law of Moses, that all of the Israelites were to bring a one-year-old lamb into their home for four days. On the fourth day, they were to offer it up as a sacrifice for Passover. On the very day that Israel was bringing these lambs into their household, Jesus, the Lamb of God, was riding in to the household of David, to the city of David in Jerusalem. It is estimated that 250,000 lambs were slain in the city. The law required a minimum of 10 people to each lamb. Doing the math that it makes about 2.5 million people were present in Jerusalem. And as Jesus was approaching that city, they came out to receive him. It's called a parousia. The people collectively came out to meet Jesus and walk back into the city with him triumphantly. Mark uses this as the climax of his gospel to bring us to the point where his ministry in Galilee for three and a half years was now going to come to an end in the city of David, in Jerusalem, when Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, was going to present himself in the temple to judge the temple. And so as he is approaching, it's dramatic and powerful. What I've discovered in my readings this year is the peace that God is bringing. It's a peace that the kingdom of God has for each one of us. The triumphal entry of Jesus is the shalom of God. The word shalom in Hebrew means peace. We've come to understand peace to mean an absence of problems. But you can have shalom no matter what kind of a problem comes into your life. It's not the Eastern meditation concept of emptying your mind. It is the biblical concept of illuminating your mind, filling your mind with the goodness of God and the order of his kingdom. Shalom means to make something whole or to make something complete. How many of you know that we are quite incomplete? And I know you married your spouse to make you complete, but without Jesus, it's a mess. We need Jesus to make us whole and complete. Shalom means full of well-being. That's why shalom, peace, is not only for your spiritual sense, it's for your physical sense, your emotional sense, that you'd be physically well and healed, that you'd be emotionally well and healed, that your condemnation and guilt would be put away and you would be healed, you'd be restored. And it means to have perfect order. Everything is in the place it should be. That's the shalom of God. How many of you love it when company comes over, you had to clean your house and get it in order? <laughs> and for a day afterwards, it's like, ah. <sighs> uh, maybe less than a day. It's ah. Uh, it's shalom. And we know that Jesus is Sar Shalom. He is the Prince of peace, the mighty God, the Father of everlasting life. He is 
the one who is an authority to bring peace. He's the one who established the word of God. In the beginning, God said and spoke all things into existence. Everything was made by the word, through the word, for the word. And that word is the order of life, and it is Jesus. And he came to bring order to your life, completeness, fullness to your life. He said that your joy would be full, that we would lack nothing. That is the joy. And what's interesting is that the Prince of Peace is now riding into the city of peace, Yerushalom. The city of David, it means they shall see peace. Israel in the capital, Jerusalem, had never seen peace until Jesus was ready to ride in and bring the shalom of God as the final sacrifice to bring peace between God and mankind. The Prince of Peace riding in to the city of peace. And so Jesus tells his disciples, a couple of you guys go into the city and I want you to go get a foal, go get a a donkey and and uh, bring it to me. And if they ask, uh, what are you doing with my donkey? You tell them, the Lord has need of it. So they went out. There he is. There's a baby donkey with a mother. And he takes him, and they begin to pull him out. And the owner says, hey, 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 what are you doing? And they say, what did he say? Oh, yeah. The Lord has need of it. Okay, go ahead. I don't know what that was all about, but it was the prophetic word of Jesus that said what was going to happen and how it happened. I want to encourage you. Sometimes you don't need to know how or why or what it's going to conclude, but if God gives you a word to speak, speak it. If God gives you a directive, do it. We always wait. We go, well, I don't know if that's him or not. I don't know if I should. What if they say this? You know what? Stop it. If he tells you to do it, do it, and it will release the purposes of God in a situation. They bring back the baby donkey. It's a donkey that no one, it's a foal, no one's ever ridden it. And so they bring the mother too because that donkey won't walk without the mother there. And he rides that that foal of a, a donkey that's never been ridden before. And as he's approaching the city, the people come out. They hear Jesus, Yeshua, is here. And they begin to have palm branches. And they begin to wave them. And they begin to declare and have him come in. And this is the exact prophecy of Zechariah 9, verse 9. And Zechariah is prophesied of Messiah, and it says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Righteousness, victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Wow. Just like it was prophesied. And the next verse, verse 10, says this, And he will proclaim peace to the nations. That's why he's coming. Peace to the nations. He's going to come in and he's going to approach the the temple. And as he sees the temple, he goes back to the temple mountain. And the next day goes to the temple and turns over the money changers and, and crashes and calls everybody out. Because in the court of the Gentiles, or should I call it the court of the nations, they left no room for the nations to come and pray. He said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. But you've made it a Jewish stronghold, a den of robbers. You've you've taken it. Uh, He came to the nations to proclaim peace. 
It was so much bigger than Israel understood, so much more than the Jews could comprehend. He wasn't just going to bring peace to Jerusalem against Rome. He was bringing the peace that separated God from man. He was going to destroy sin and death and the grave forever. That's the shalom. That's the order he was going to bring back for mankind on planet earth. Isaiah tells us this, in that day the root of Jesse who shall stand as a sign or an emblem for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. The temple was supposed to be glorious to draw all nations to Messiah, but it failed. And he came to bring all nations. His resting place is the throne of God now in a, in a temple that's not made by hands. And he's drawing all the nations to him. And he's offering them peace. A peace between God and mankind. Are we presenting the peace of God to a lost and dying world? Or are we creating more of a separation than ever? We must bring the peace of Messiah. And they were excited. They fully didn't comprehend. But they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They would lay their coats down before the animal. They brought palm branches and they began to wave them and say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. The word Hosanna means save now. Deliver us now in the highest power and highest authority. Save us now. We look at that and we think, well, they're celebrating Jesus. You're the best. You're the bomb. Yeah, yeah. What they're actually saying is, save me, save us, save me. It's a signal, hey, somebody, save me. Jesus, Hosanna, save us, son of David. It was a cry for help. I think that if we were able to give this palm branch to a lost and dying world, there would be so many people, it would be so easier for us if we could see the palm branch, just signal, you need help. That's what they're doing. But you've got to be able to see it. There's people out there that are just dying. They don't know where to turn and they need the shalom of God. And they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. We want them to worship Jesus. They don't even know him. We need to bring him to him. Bring him to them. May we be the one who carries his triumphal entry into people's lives. That he would save them now, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And that's what they were looking for, the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, I bring the kingdom. But they didn't know what the kingdom was. And as Jesus is approaching, he draws near to the city and he can't help himself. He begins to weep. He begins to cry over Jerusalem. Now, isn't it great to be at a parade where everybody's hooting and hollering for you? What are you crying about? This is your moment. You should be really happy. You're a rock star. No, he sees the, the devastation and the pain among the people. And he realizes that, that the word of God that was given through Moses to his people was just trodden underfoot. That the temple that was supposed to be the presence of God was failed. And he begins to weep and he said, Oh, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. There it is again. The shalom. What are the things that make the shalom of God present? Well, 
the Prince of Peace, first of all. If you would have known, this is me. I mean, this is incredible. This is the Word of God that made everything come in flesh, now riding on a donkey to the very temple of God in the city of David. It's what everything had been prophesied for. In fact, in Daniel chapter 9, to the day Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. In Daniel 9, it tells us the 70 weeks that were given over the nation of Israel and from the restoration that Cyrus decreed for the rebuilding of the wall and from that time to the time Messiah would come to the exact day and hour, Jesus is riding a donkey into that city fulfilling prophecy and they don't know the day of their peace. In fact, when the Pharisees said, hey, tell these people, tell your people to stop praising you, stop doing all that. He said, if I tell them to be quiet, the very rocks themselves will cry out such prophetic significance that all of creation, I believe, was just ecstatic. The rocks were probably rumbling and everything was moving. And I would imagine the birds were kind of flying, looking at, this is it, isn't it? This is it. Because Jesus is riding in and Israel doesn't know it. They don't know the kingdom. He says, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up barricades around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. They will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. You did not know the day to make for peace. In 70 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed because of that day they did not receive Jesus. They didn't know. They were looking for the kingdom of David. They were crying for it. Bring the kingdom, bring the kingdom. And Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry, when he was in Nazareth, he opened the scroll in a synagogue and he read Isaiah 61 and he said this about the kingdom. He said, the kingdom is here. And what they were looking for was in him. He's the peace of God, the shalom that was visiting them. And this is what the shalom is. This is what the kingdom of God is. This is what's in you. He says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. To do what? To bring the kingdom. What will he do? To bring good news to the poor. This is the gospel. That's what good news means. To the poor. So, we should check everybody's check stubs to see who's wealthy and who's poor. No, it doesn't mean that. It's not about an economic poverty. It's a poverty of the soul. It's a poverty of sin. It's a brokenness. Every human being is impoverished at birth under the weight of sin and the debt we owe. But he came to bring good news to everybody who is broken and wounded in their soul, impoverished by sin. There's good news for you. That's what we're to be doing in this hour, brothers and sisters, bringing the kingdom to everyone. He then says he'll bind up the brokenhearted. Bind it together. The word for brokenhearted means shattered. How many of you have ever dropped glass? Maybe you had a drinking glass. Maybe you had a pane of glass or something. You ever drop it and what happens? It scatters as it shatters. And so you do your best to sweep it up. And you get it all swept up. And you think you had it all until that one little shard 
and you know where you find it, in the bottom of your foot. It just wasn't cleaned up good enough, was it? He said he's going to bind up people's hearts that have been shattered. I could take a survey here among us. I could go out into the community. How many people have shattered lives? You've had your heart broken how many times? Failed marriages, children rejecting you. You were never accepted in your own home. You're just shattered. You've been abused by people, hurt and wounded. And Jesus says, the good news is the shalom of God is going to put order back in your life. God is going to bring every piece. He knows every uh, hair numbered on your head. He's going to bring it all together. He's not going to miss a piece of your heart. You're not going to have a hole in your heart anymore. He is going to bind it together with faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. He's going to bind it together so that you have shalom. You have an ordered life again. You have purpose. You have hope. You have a calling. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you did, I will bind you up, says the Lord. And the church has to go out there and we've got to bring the kingdom. That means we've got a solution to to no matter what the problem is. Someone tells you, oh, Jesus can't handle me. Yes, he can. Every piece of brokenness. You have to have that much confidence. See, if you don't know it for yourself, you're not going to preach it. So we've got to get healed up and our hearts bound together by the love of God so that we can preach it. He goes on and he says this, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening the prisons to those who are bound. Now I thought that was redundant. I thought he's kind of repeating the same thing. As uh, I was considering it, I began meditating on it, asking the Lord, and I, and I saw something here. Uh, captives are people taken against their will. Prisoners are people who belong in jail because of what they did. He's coming, first of all, to deliver those of you that were taken captive, to give you freedom. We've been taken captive by the issues of life. It wasn't our fault. Things happened to us. It's not my fault that the car came crashing into you and messed your body up. It's not your fault that somebody did something else. It's not your fault that the tornado came and destroyed your house and your finances are wrecked. It's not your fault that the company you worked for for 29 years closed in your 30th year ready for you to get your buyout and you didn't get it. You're a captive to the situation. But God says, I'm going to deliver you from that. You're not going to be bound by that. I'm greater than whatever has captivated you. I am more powerful. He's going to get us free from all the things this earth has just punished us under. But he also says this to those of you that are guilty. The reason you are in prison is because of your sinfulness. The reason you're suffering for your maladies of your health is because you've been doing this wrong thing for so long. He says, because you may deserve punishment, I'm going to open up the prison doors and set you free because Jesus paid the price for the penalty of our sin. That's grace. That's mercy. I don't deserve any of this. I've done so many stupid things and I shouldn't be where I am today except for the grace of God. Jesus paid the price. Hallelujah, he set me free. 
I was a prisoner bound by my own actions. But he said, be loosed, go forth. So that I can now proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I've got the favor of God on me. Oh my goodness, I can't believe the favor of God on me. It's on you too. Do you know it? Do you know the kingdom of God has brought you favor? And when Jesus proclaimed this to declare the kingdom in their midst, he then shut the scroll and sat down and said, This day has this been fulfilled. But he stopped in the middle of a sentence. Why didn't he complete the sentence? Because it goes on and says, And the day of vengeance of our God. Because he wasn't ready for that. He was bringing the shalom and the order of God first. He was bringing the peace that he could offer you for our failure, for our sin, for our brokenness, for our captivity. He wanted to set us free. For our poverty, come and heal and deliver us that we would know the shalom and the peace of God. And he's telling us to proclaim it now to the nations. Proclaim it to the nations, to everyone. Because there's a day coming that will bring justice and the vengeance of God against all sin. Now, if you don't have the remedy against that day of judgment, which is the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of God, you are going to enter into the day of vengeance and you will be cast away from God eternally in hellfire. God says, leave room for my vengeance. There will be a day when I will make all things right. See, some of us worry that, that someone's going to get away with something. No one's going to get away. Jesus is going to account for every sin. There will be no sin unpunished. The key is, where was that sin punished? My sin was punished on the cross of Jesus Christ. If you don't recognize it and you keep your sin on you, you will account for it and it won't be good. So with all of this, he says, comfort all who mourn because he brought shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. He brought the kingdom of God. The evidence of the kingdom was healing the sick and casting out demons. The peace of God was going to order people's lives. What was out of order in their bodies, Jesus would heal. What was out of order by demons being there, he would cast them out if they were bound and bring them liberty and freedom. It's the demonstration, and I believe it's coming back to the church with more power than ever. Begin to proclaim, and in that proclamation, you'll see healing, you'll see deliverance, you'll see people come to the peace of God. And he goes on and he says this, a great exchange took place at Zion. To grant those who mourn in Zion, those who wept over the cross of Jesus Christ, those who weep at his crucifixion, I'm going to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. You don't have to weep and moan anymore over your sin. I'm going to put a headdress on you that says, child of God, forgiven and justified. He put the oil of gladness instead of mourning and crying. I can rejoice because I have salvation. I am a child of God. And last of all, he's going to put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness or a faint heart. We're to worship God and thank him. I shouldn't have to prime the pump to get somebody to worship Jesus. If you know the shalom of God, if you know the favor that you wear, if you got the headdress and the oil, you smell good, then you can praise Him for what He's done.
That's the favor of God. That's the kingdom of God. And we are that kingdom. Isaiah 61.10 said uh, uh, later on in that chapter, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He covered me with the robe of righteousness. And as a bridegroom decks himself as a priest with a beautiful headdress, and the bride adorns herself with jewels. That's who we are. You're decked out. That's awesome. You are justified by God the Father, your sins forgiven. And people think God's the angry one. They say, well, Jesus we like. He's so nice, so loving. But the Father, he's ticked off. He's always angry. And that's wrong. Who do you think sent salvation? Who sent the Son? God so loved the world, he sent the Son. Jesus said, I didn't do or say anything of my own. I fully represented Father's heart. And Jesus offered his blood, and it's the Father who justifies you. It's he who says, complete, shalom, full, sin canceled. You are justified. That is the kingdom of God. That's the day. That's what Jesus brought into Jerusalem that hour. Oh, would that you, even you, people of God, even you, Israel, even you, Jerusalem, had known on this day the things that make for peace. What amazes me is you know. You know. Jesus came. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Jesus wanted to gather them into the kingdom, into his peace. They would not, so he has called you. And you received the triumphal entry of Jesus into your life. You recognized that day when it was time to say, yes, God, I receive you. Yes, Lord. And the kingdom invaded your soul. And now you were set free. You were at liberty. You were bound together. You were healed. You were restored. And now he tells you to take this kingdom to the nations. Be a light. Be the salt. Be everything. Bring me in a triumphal entry into somebody else's life. Are we willing to do this. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace, my shalom I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, this is the shalom he brought. When the world looks at the church, they shouldn't see a scared church. They shouldn't see an apathetic people. They shouldn't see a fearful group. They should see a people who walk in peace, walk in an ordered life, because they're going to ask for the hope that you have. They want to know, what is the peace you have when everything else is going to hell? You walk as one who's going to heaven. You have heaven in you. You're assured of the peace. Your house is in order. Your finances is in order. See, this shalom starts to cover everything you do. Church, it's time for us to get in shape here. It's time for us to be in the shalom of God. 
Stop acting like the world. Stop imitating the world. We've got the original Word of God in us. We need to start walking in the shalom and the kingdom of God and start offering it to whoever so will. Most of your witness, 90% of your witness, is not verbal. It's seen. See how you live your life. See how you react to issues. See how you are among other people. And they will see the shalom of God. That's what God's looking for. And in conclusion, I pray what Paul prayed at the end of his letter to the Thessalonians. He said this, Now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace. At all times, in every way, the Lord be with you all. What was Paul's heart for the people of God? That they would have the peace that passes all understanding. A peace who is stayed on the Word of God. A peace at all times, no matter what comes our way, I've got peace. No matter what trouble I'm in, I've got peace. I don't have to worry, though I don't have enough money in the bank. I know my God shall supply all my needs. I'm satisfied with what I have. Some people think if I just had a bigger house, if I just had a better car, I understand that. If I just had a better wife, if I just had a better husband, if my kids were not like this, if my coworkers would do that, you're looking for all the wrong things. The shalom comes from the peace, the Prince of Peace, the peace of God Himself. That's the order and the shalom that we need to put in place. He may be calling things out. The order we need may be turning over some tables. He may have to tell you to stop hanging with some of these friends. He may tell you to stop putting that in your head. He may tell you to stop taking that out of your mouth and talking the way you do, that the peace of God has to invade every area of our lives. That's what this great triumphal entry is about. God brought peace that day, if you'd receive it. I think you did. Now bring it to others. Let's bow our heads.